to another episode of Sicko Mode. I'm Siang. And I am Joe. And today's episode is on the protests that have erupted in the US on the 25th of May after the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police. There was a lot of rioting and demonstrations and the situation's been unfolding since. Yeah, um, but we've also um, seen something resembling a global uprising in solidarity against police violence in many different countries. And like everyone else, we've been watching the footage and trying to understand basically like what's going on and what might come out of it. Yeah, and I've been reaching a lot for historical precedents like the LA Watts riots or, uh, you know, the riots in Ferguson or Tottenham. And certainly the idea of the riot kind of looms increasingly large within the repertoire of of struggles and everything has this uh the the kind of the new context of coronavirus as well and um obviously the protests have spread over to the uk yeah so in the uk uh, tens of thousands of people have been demonstrating in central london um starting on june the 7th a lot of people wearing masks which are saying racism is the virus written on them people were chanting the uk is not innocent um, and this kind of invokes both the memory of george floyd as well as the memory of um, black people and other people of colour killed by the police in the UK. Yeah, and that same day in Britain, uh, Bristol protesters used ropes to pull down the bronze statue of Edward Colston, mm. uh, a 17th century slave trader who transported over 80,000 people um, from Africa to the Americas. And there was the kind of historic... Uh, moment really when this uh, statue was pulled down and police didn't intervene precisely because they're trying to minimize uh, violence in order to not create more demonstrations and a kind of feedback loop like we've seen in the US a bit more maybe and yeah and so we thought it's it's about time for us to do a show even if we're not quite sure what to fully make of this yet and so we decided to get in our trusty u.s passport (laughs) correspondent yeah this is not really yeah not really like any big take or even small take just talking about it what's going on and hearing from someone who is in new york right now about their experiences there police coming straight from the underground so we've got our u.s class war correspondent here Mm -hmm. Jia, it's beautiful to have you here, as always. We've been thinking of doing this show for a while, but with everything that's been happening, it's felt really uh, difficult. Like, I really want to avoid having a hot take or Mm -hmm. even much of of a a final decision. (laughs) Yeah, even much of a take. And so we thought we'd kind of give it some time. And then uh, once things had kind of either cooled somewhat or progressed somewhat or, or plateaued, then maybe it's a bit easier to try and view what's happening outside mm-hmm. of the kind of uh, reaction um, feedback loop that you're trapped in when something this, uh, you know, massive and, and um, unprecedented is happening. Yeah. But, but so maybe we should start from basics. I also don't have like the firmest of takes, but I am... Um... Yeah, um, it's it's been it's been sometimes it's definitely it definitely feels like I can now. S- like, talk with slightly more certainty about what the situation is than I could like a week ago. But it still feels very much like we don't know where this is gonna go. Um, we're in the midst of a movement. So, do you want to talk us through uh what has been happening from your perspective? Because obviously we've been following it from afar, but you've been on the ground this last two weeks. So, <laughs> what's the kind of broad, uh, kind of progression of what's been going on? Yeah. Um. So I guess so. George Floyd was murdered at, in sort of late May, and I think this is the third week of protests in New York. Um, and they kind of, yeah. I remember they sort of picked up on like, I feel like it was like a Thursday. It was sort of later in the week. Um, and by that point, like Minnesota was already in like the throes of its protests, Minneapolis. Um, and it started out in New York with very like, uh, it was kind of like well very um it, ha- it sort of had this feeling of like if there would be like protests in the day and then protests would sort of start escalating sort of later in the day 
um, usually also in like response to police violence. But still, like, kind of early on, it was, it kind of was a bit more, like, I'm not entirely sure, like, I, I don't want to say, like, oh, the protests, like, turned into a riot, um, or if it was sort of a bit more, like, less, like, I think it sort of had a bit more of, like, a kind of free-for-all-esque attitude to it, where there's a lot more, like, spontaneous marches, um, like spontaneous what, in the evening, it felt like there was more spontaneous marches. It's it seemed like everything was just generally more spontaneous. So like, um, like a march would be happening, but then like a different march would be happening at the same time someplace else, like not that far away. Um, I have a, I have a friend who was who went out kind of early on, and he was saying like, oh, I went to one march and it was a bit wet, and so I like found some other people who were like looting a footlocker and then we went out walked up with them um wow a footlocker is a shoe store i don't know if that's yes yeah, we have that yeah, here, awesome great america reaches everywhere <laughs> with its franchises yeah. and its war machine and its expensive yeah. shoes um, yeah i've never yeah. I've not been in a footlocker i mean i like expensive but... sneakers don't get me wrong but <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm just like, I like also that people are uh, looting these places. Yeah. It seems a very immediate form of redistribution and also good cover for other kinds of protest. Yeah. If people are causing disruption, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there was this sort of like initial period where like all the windows, a lot of windows were broken. Um, I can't, I live near like a kind of commercial Avenue street. So, which was very much a target of like. Uh, anti-capitalist rage, you could say. Um, so there was this, there was sort of like a period of like all the windows are broken, and then they're all boarded up or they're being boarded up, and then now we're in like the third stage where all the boarded up windows have like a cab written on them <laughs> or <laughs> fuck the police or just various all the just just like it's now like the graffiti the graffiti phase phase which is beautiful it's good um but it's bit yeah there's kind of been. There's been so I guess like in New York there've kind of been like a couple milestones you, or moments. Um, definitely it's like on that sort of first Saturday protest there was a big protest um, by the Barclays Center. That oh yeah I heard Brooklyn, from people in New York that uh, protests keep meeting at the Barclays yeah, Center. Yeah, it's a very right? I and mean, uh, you can often go there and just find a random group of people about to roam out. Is that yeah. Barclays like the bank or am I just completely yes, wrong? Yes, it is like the bank. That's actually oh, it's cool. a very it's that's very actually a very charged space um, because that whole so that's the Barclays Center is a sports center that got built in like 2012 I think um, oh yeah and it's next to uh, this new like Atlantic Avenue mall it's on Atlantic Avenue and so it's Atlantic Avenue and the Barclays Center is like the subway stop and there's also um, a train depot there like a train station there. And, but that, the whole, the kind of, like, place where the Barclays Center is used to be, like, a neighborhood. There's the whole neighborhood. And so a lot of people got displaced when they did that, um, when that, when they basically converted it or took the space. Um, So it's a pretty stark concretization of, of kind of social cleansing or gentrification. Yeah, it's a very, a whole neighborhood. It was sort of, it's very much like, I used to live near there, that neighborhood. Or, like, I used to live near the Barclays wow. Center. Um, and that neighborhood is, that was, like, that neighborhood is, like, it's kind of like a weird neighborhood. I love it. But it's sort of, like, it's, like, a historically black neighborhood, but historically more affluent, slightly more affluent black neighborhood. So it's still black, but it's wealthier now. Um, and, but that was, the Barclays Center was definitely, like, a big moment of kind of like that neighborhood's gentrification history. Um, and it's also really weird. It's like this weird plaza. It's this terrible traffic intersection where it takes you like 20 minutes to cross the street. But anyways, that's, so, <laughs> that's not important. That's also um, worth protesting. Exactly. I mean, it's just a nuisance. Yeah, poor urban organization must be smashed. It's, yes. it's this ridiculous. I mean, there used to be streets there and now it's just a mess. Um, but at the, I think it was at the Barclays Center this, I think it was, the protest was on Friday night, and the next morning, there was, like, video surfacing of two uh, NYPD police fans, like, driving into a crowd of protesters. 
Um, like, they're the, the police vans are parked, and there's the protesters kind of like, they're not, they're not, they've not swarmed the vehicles. That's kind of like they're because they're concentrated in front of the vans. Um, and there's yeah. a couple Is like this people the aerial Yeah, I think I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and then it's really like the the vans just drive in just drive and so there's people like standing right in front of them and they just go straight for it um and our mayor was like that's fine (laughs) our mayor basically said like it's inappropriate for people to surround a police vehicle and therefore the police vehicle driving into a group of people is um (laughs) the appropriate response to that situation Oh my god. Is that so, Mayor Bill de Blasio? It is Bill de Blasio. But it gets I love better. that excuse. Because <laughs> I saw that footage and they were broadcasting it on like the news, like mm-hmm. CNN, right? And they would cut off right before the, the cop cars just drove, just drove uh, straight uh, in. at high speed into pedestrians. Yeah. And it's amazing that Bill de Blasio is just like, oh, well, they're standing so close. Like he's the father of a large bullying son <laughs> who's just like, oh, well, your kid got too close to mine. Well, so when mine like smashed him on the head with a baseball bat, that was just like, a, you know, yeah. yeah. This is where it gets better is that his, his wife is, if you remember, if you were familiar with the, the, when he ran for president on the debate stage, he kept, he just wouldn't shut up about his black son. Um, mm. No, I do not oh, yeah, remember he was, that. Like, there's, there's this great... Uh, someone had like a supercut of just like debate moments and the only de Blasio moment is like, I have a black son. Um, oh no. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, no. His, his wife, Slash mom. His wife is black and they have two... I think they have two kids. Um, like Dante and Chiara. Or Chiara. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. But his daughter like was at maybe not that protest, but was at another protest in Brooklyn and got arrested. Um, like, the same day that de Blasio is, condo- is saying that, like, cop cars running into protesters is a totally fine thing. Well, uh, he's like, I would so, drive a car into my own daughter pr- to protect yeah, yeah. property. But, like, so his daughter's a comrade, and I want to be... I've just been thinking about their, like, dinner conversation the next day. Um, oh, is she actually a comrade? I mean, I don't know if she's like a comrade, but she got arrested for protesting. Um, wow. Okay. No, and she's that, like she's you know, like if a you're black, Bill De Blasio's daughter and you're doing woman, that, that I mean, is you know yeah yeah. So that and then and then we got a curfew. <laughs> that was just a lot, some nice little like New York City drama. Um, <laughs> then we got we we got our curfew. It was initially at eleven p.m. Um, but they moved it back up to 8 p.m. I think the reason was because the subways are now shutting down at 1 p.m. 1 a.m. They used to be 24 hour, but because of coronavirus, they're at 1 a.m. And so, but most people like if your curfew is at 11, everyone's leaving by like 12 anyways because they have to get home. Um, so I think they moved, They basically moved up the curfew to like arrest more people, kind uh. of. Yeah. Um, so they can get more hours of like breaking the law in. Um, yeah. And was there a curfew? I mean, you've mentioned that connection with coronavirus, and obviously, that is in somewhat the precedence to this this mm-hmm. whole thing. Like, obviously, this is so reminiscent of uh, Ferguson, or even like back to the Watts riots, like other other kinds of. Um, urban insurrection against uh, a kind of white supremacist uh, police state but obviously this specific crisis is really marked by the kind of relations of the pandemic and uh, mass unemployment mm-hmm. and how how the pandemic's been mishandled in the US um, so how, how how has the kind of tone of what's happening uh, in New York kind of shifted um, from kind of lockdown uh, vibes into you know into riot slash protest vibes yeah I mean I think part of some of what I've seen is this just on like Twitter and Facebook is people being like everyone is unemployed now so protesting is now my full-time job um, and, wow and that this, I, this kind of, where I think that it, the fact that like we wouldn't have protests in the daytime um, like on a weekday yeah. If it, I think if it wasn't for the coronavirus, and I think that's part of what's how it's we're it's now going into the third week, the momentum it's been able to keep up, I think is also is like partly a function of the fact that 
people aren't working nine to fives anymore. Um, yeah. So and people have a lot less to lose in a lot of cases as well. Yeah, I mean, there's also it's like in it's it was kind of like weird going to the protest because we've been in like don't touch another person, you know, like every other person is a biocrime, you are a biocrime, uh, stay as far away as you can mode, and Wait, then you a, go to the protest. You're like you're like you're a biohazard, they're a biohazard, stay wow. away from each other. I mean that I mean the kind of like mentality of like six feet apart, um, stay yeah. at home at all times if possible. And then to go from that to like, oh, I'm in a march and I'm next to so many people, <laughs> like, um, brushing shoulders. And that kind of, that had this weird effect, I think. Cause I th- but I think once like you do that, um, cause I think initially people were like very afraid of like, oh God, I don't like, I want to protest, but I need to, I want to be healthy at the same time. Um, and at this point, it's, it's like New York City is sort of reopening kind of now, too. So there is just sort of this generally like general like lifting of restrictions. Um, but it was kind of weird. To, and I think there's also like the most of these protesters um, like or black and brown people and black and brown New Yorkers have been like the hardest hit um, in like low income neighborhoods, especially in kind of like, Brooklyn and Queens, so the fact that, like, I mean, like, if you're, if you're in a neighborhood that's just been, like, completely neglected by the city, and as a result, like, your public health crisis is so much worse, um, and you have such high rates of infection as a result, then, like, is going to a protest that much more dangerous? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not, so I think that's sort of I, I guess I was sort I was I was like suspicious not suspicious but I was like less hopeful initially because I thought no one was gonna go because everyone was just gonna be too afraid but that's not been the case at all. Um, there's been so many people and like yeah. it's been great. It's been great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like in the UK, like Pretty Patel and like all the Tories are trying to <laughs> basically spin the line so that. They say, you know, if there's a second wave, it's because all these people are going to protest when obviously that's actually not the case. And when there is a second mm-hmm. wave, which there almost certainly will be, it'll be because they decided to, like, tell everyone to go back to work and didn't have yeah. PPE. And, like, you know, it's because of the measures that they're trying to push through. But the way that they're trying to use the protest narrative is to say, like, oh, look at all these, like, people protesting, you know, for their lives against mm-hmm. the very same uh, system of like racial anti-black violence that also causes them to be at more risk of yeah. contracting and dying from coronavirus. Um, so yeah, and also highly embarrassing and weirdly honest moment from the UK government uh, when they were like for a few hours they were like we don't want to release the results of the inquiry into um what was it race and the impact of like coronavirus according to like ethnicity and race because they were concerned that it would in the present environment incite like protests (laughs) (laughs) very interesting (laughs) yeah they really said the quiet part out yeah we're not going to release this report because it will make us look very bad and it might start a war against us Uh, which would be justified so we're not going to do it and then someone leaked it from the civil service or something then you go into it because they love to leak and like control f and there's like if you search race or racism it like doesn't appear a single time (laughs) yeah that's they thought it was damning even though it was already a complete hatchet job yeah um which is, I kind of, I mean, I know this is our US episode, but I guess the UK is such an essential part of the US empire and likewise an absolutely failed state at the bottom of the league tables with the US. We're stuck together like a kind of, like we're trapped in an unhappy yeah, relationship and everybody hates us. Yeah. yeah, an especially perverse relationship. <laughs> that could be a whole show. But I mean, so it is important to think about the uh, parallels mm-hmm. because, yeah, like, like, uh, like you said, Siang, they're trying to p- 
paint Black Lives Matter as one of the reasons that the inevitable second wave of coronavirus will come, which we, we know that is that is a really stupid thing to say, because these protests have only been in a, a handful of places in the UK, and they've kind of been uh, flash events, apart from maybe in London, where they're a bit more uh, persistent. Whereas it's nothing compared to the scale of how the Tories never adequately dealt with the virus to begin with. And they've now sent everyone back into like, you know, all these random places without adequate precautions, including trying to reopen schools like uh, before uh, these protests even happened. So we, we know categorically they're trying to shift the blame at the exact time that it's now been widely reported by scientists and ex-scientists from SAGE also that they could have avoided the massive death toll if they'd just locked down a week or two earlier, like they were being advised to, and they just chose not to. Yeah. Because um, they wanted to protect the economy, which they've also fucked up now anyway. Yeah. But I mean, we, we kind of already know that they're just a uh, kind of series of failures tied together by evil. But the one thing they're good at is propaganda because they own all of the press. Yeah. <laughs> and so whether the Tories will be able to ascribe the fault of this whole situation somehow to the public, uh, even though there's the exact same public everywhere else, you know, um, whether they will be able to is a different question. Um, yeah, and like the BAME report might um, play a role in that because as we know, there's many eugenicists and out and out uh, viral racists uh, on the payroll of the Tories. And they probably will try and in a paternalistic way say, oh, you know, black people have brought this on themselves. Uh, you know, this is, they were already at risk for reasons that no one really understands. Uh, rather than, we know, as in the US, as in the UK, there was already a completely uneven distribution of life and death. Some people were marked for death just by dint of being alive uh, and being racialized in a certain way and, and having our resources allocated in this country in a certain way. And the papers using prejudice to maintain a certain set of social relations, which they do every day, very successfully. So it's really the kind of same kind of issue um, of how we kind of uh, build a new hegemony around this mm -hmm. and don't just let the, the, the hard right kind of pathologize this or start a culture war. The way we do and, that is throw yeah. the statues in the river. <laughs> That's yeah. been great. That's been so nice. There's been a lot of statues coming down in the US as well, right? Yeah, or been um, like heavily... Uh, redesigned beheaded beheaded there's a lot of like there's a lot of like blood paint on the hands um oh nice there's this amazing one i think it's in i think it might be the new orleans robert e lee statue uh oh no it's in richmond virginia oh did they knock it down oh no they did not knock it down um but there's this one that they that protesters have just like done some amazing stuff too it's like a it's like a new work of art um yeah, oh, yeah. and uh in a this is in this is a statue of confederate general robert e lee in richmond virginia yeah um oh yeah i saw yeah. that one yeah that's been some beautiful kind of paris commune style uh redesigning mm -hmm. of the city uh just like when they, they blew up like the vendome column didn't they in the paris commune um and all, all these kinds of similar antics. It also reminds me of when the Joker in the original Batman film walks into an art gallery to, to listening to Prince and he just paints every picture purple and uh, including all the statues and just kind of smashes everything. I think that's also very good. I think the original Jack Nicholson Joker is a comrade in that regard. Um, but, but, but that aside, uh, what else uh, has been happening more broadly in the US? Because well, there's been uh, revolts in every state yeah. now, right? And these are kind of ongoing. I mean, on the commune front, have you heard about Shaz? Oh, the Shaz. Oh, uh, yes. Chaz. Les Shaz. <laughs> Shaz. Uh, tell um, our listeners exactly what the, so the Chaz is. Chaz is the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. I think this was yesterday that this came into existence um but it's in seattle basically protesters have taken over uh part of the neighborhood of capitol hill and are setting up a commune of sorts or at least occupying it um and they have like demand number one is like abolish the police so good uh <laughs> great um and yeah they have they have like 30 demands 
they're all pretty good. They're covering like not just policing but also like economics. Um, they're very anti gentrification because Seattle is, um, Seattle has a whole history of gentrification, as everywhere does. But Seattle, I think, hits. Has, Seattle has like its um, Amazon and Starbucks, mostly Amazon like tech induced gentrification kind of situation. Um, so. Yeah, that's exciting. I don't know. I mean, I think I just I like just was reading about this this morning, um, but that's great. I got. I hope New York gets an autonomous zone. I'm so ready. I hope the whole the United be States amazing. becomes a <laughs> decolonized <laughs> zone and the United States oh, over yeah. <laughs> and physically and materially decolonized. That would yeah. be great. That would be fantastic. I 100% agree. I mean, as a recovering anarchist, I love autonomous zones, and I do actually have some time for them. But I'm I'm interested into how they kind of fit in, because I mean, earlier when you described um, the kind of early days of what was happening in New York, of this latest wave of of the struggle, mm-hmm. you talked about how I don't know if you would say there was a kind of tension between what might be described as more peaceful protest and what might be described as more violent protest, or what, what might be described as kind of protest or, um, you know, a demonstration, like the difference between actually smashing things or just kind of, you know, occupying things. And what, how, um, how are people talking about the different tactics on the ground? How are, how are protesters deciding what exactly they should be doing and what's effective? Yeah, it kind of seems now that because um, it started out like with sort of riots and window smashing, which, you know, great, um, not opposed. But because it sort of started out like that, the protests, the kind of like daytime protests seem to be very like aggressively peaceful in this weird way where like aggressively peaceful like emphatic like i want like peaceful protest is a chant now um mm. wow interesting okay. i can i mean i can kind of see the logic of it if you have like a highly aggressive police force like you want i mean again like is do the police care that you're chanting peaceful protests that they don't care if you're peaceful or not they will They'll just disperse any protest. But I can sort of see why, like, optically, a protest, a peaceful protest chanting peaceful protest that gets beaten up by the cops is, like, a worse thing than one that's not. Or at least maybe people are thinking that, like, if they shout peaceful protest, it will discourage cops from, like, trying to break them up. But it has this thing of, like, people, like, this one guy, like, was, we were sort of, walking down a very narrow street. Also, like, there's no... There are people, there's kind of a very, like... There's, like, a weird, like, respect for traffic um, in some of these marches. <laughs> fuck cars. Fuck of the police. Just, fuck cars. I know. Fuck like, cars if it's like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, we'll, like, oh, we'll walk up. Just the kind of... I mean, sometimes, like, pro, like marches will, like, kind of weave and wag a little bit. Um, but, like, you do that because of the police blockade. You don't do that because... You want to respect oncoming traffic, um, so there was been there was like a little bit of that, and I went to one and like a guy just like jumped up on a car, um, which honestly makes sense if we're trying to social distance. Like this is a very narrow street, but everyone was like, "Get down off the car!" Um, <laughs> peaceful protest. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was a very like this. Protesters are kind of self policing themselves. Mm, um, interesting. And I think as a result, like we're not there's been this very, like, stark polarization between, like, aggressively peaceful protests and a much less, like, I guess I want to say, like, like, thoughtfully political violence. Like, the the kind of, the sort of, like, nighttime protests, I, like, are a bit more... Less concerned with responsibility. I guess, like, I mean, like, there's, like, just, like, there's a difference between, like, a very like targeted, thought out act of violence, and the kind of just general like anger violence, and it seems that because, the kind of like, because they're now being so polarized, that we're not getting that like medium where you have like disruptive protests that aren't you know, that like disruptive protests they're not setting things on fire but they're still like disrupt disrupting 
traffic, you know, lying down the street, like confrontational with police. Um, just thinking of like the 2014, 2015 Black Lives Matter protests where like we didn't have um, your kind of like fire riots and your window breaking riots, but we did have, we, I mean, the, the, the protests were just much more like confrontational and disruptive um, and like running into, we like ran into traffic all the time. And, and now it, it just, it feels like that kind of, which I feel like is like the good, not like good, but like, like a, be- um, a better way of protesting than um, like a I'm way of protesting like that's much more. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Um, but again, it's like there are so many of these marches that like I'm not, there's still like it's all it's all it's like a net good um but it definitely that I think that's changed the energy is like instead of having this kind of fused like spontaneous kind of chaotic loud angry disruptive protest that is actively trying to like shut things down you have like like daytime peaceful protest chanters and like nighttime setting everything on fire and I mean that's kind of that's like a oversimplification of it a little bit but it, that is that's sort of the vibe I've kind of uh, like a tendency felt a little bit yeah, yeah. um so. but I think well there's certainly uh no easy answers I feel like I've, I've been going round and round with these kinds of questions like what kind of protest is most effective mm-hmm. and you know what could this uh movement or or nascent political force uh achieve in in the long term and i i just i just can't get my head around it really like i i keep reaching for 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 similar uh historical events and just kind of come up short like i think about the riots uh here and how there was a similar kind of just uh, outcry of, of, of rage, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, after the shooting of uh, Mark Duggan and how the left kind of, many, many famous left fingers kind of abandoned those young people and a lot of them uh, got really steep sentences uh, for almost nothing. I remember someone went to prison uh, just for taking a bottle of water. Well, that was it's a, a famous fault. one. Yeah, let's not even go into how Keir Starmer like uh, made Night Court possible just to try as many rioters as possible as quickly as possible. Um, But, you know, that was it was a very different moment, but it was typical of a lot of riots uh, throughout history are often just kind of these these expressions Mm -hmm. of what we might describe as a kind of uh, anti-capitalist sensibility or maybe just, you know, uh, other kinds of analysis might work there. But you know, broadly speaking, yeah. um, and redistribution through looting or just kind of protest through criminal damage. And they're, ve- they're definitely very effective at scaring the ruling class, which mm-hmm. is very good. These people who are making the decisions sort of destroy this world and murder people every day, they should be scared. I want them scared at night when they're alone <laughs> in their beds, yes. right? Yeah. But, you know, I, I do also feel that without something to kind of without some kind of organization to cement gains or, or to kind of to to think and work to collect collectively and to, to protect people then you kind of might leave yourself so vulnerable like for instance after ferguson right like a lot of people that were involved in that ended up uh assassinated in kind of scarily similar ways in burnt out cars mm-hmm. uh most likely kind of either police assassinations getting getting revenge um, for what had happened there or, or, you know, otherwise. And you can, you know, this is like kind of an open and shut case. It was even probably done so it was kind of a warning uh, to people there. Um, so I had, I had that on my mind, but I also think about like uh, the, you know, the, the absolutely massive anti-Iraq uh, Iraq march in this country or the massive anti-war movement in the US and how that mobilised and basically achieved almost nothing. Like the war went ahead and it was one of the most, uh, you know, devastating crises. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, it was a kind of uh, unfathomable tragedy yeah. um, and something that in theory could have been preventable if like a really mobilized force had been determined enough to stop it through, you know, quote unquote, non-peaceful methods, yeah. i.e. methods that actually disrupt 
rather than something that can be too easily ignored like people just you know chanting we are a peaceful protest yeah. or whatever is not is not going to terrorize the bourgeoisie it isn't it is not going to shake up the the actual existing social mm -hmm. relations yeah so you know and i really i should underscore that i really don't have any answers uh for any of these questions and i keep trying to stop myself taking uh, a stance at this point yeah um but i mean obviously uh, Siang and I, like, we went to one of the protests recently. Uh, yeah, in Cambridge. And, yeah, our, our one in Cambridge was pretty tame. But, you know, the other one in Bristol and some of the protests in London have kind of been really gearing up a bit, yeah. becoming more confrontational. And now now we have this wave of uh, statues coming down and people suddenly catching themselves in the mirror and seeing actually the emperor's naked and we probably should stop paying <laughs> tribute to slavers. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of looks bad, you know. <laughs> So, you know, stuff is happening, right? Yeah. So I, I guess I'm wondering, I want to kind of gauge uh, what we think might pan out from the US and, you know, what gains might be made. I mean, I'm interested in those demands, particularly like either defund the police or what's kind of emerged as abolish the police, mm -hmm. which you mentioned earlier. That was one of the demands yeah. of the uh, the Chaz. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the, like, unequivocally like what has happened is that like the debate like abolish the police should we defund the police should we abolish the police what does that mean like that's now something that very like run-of-the-mill news outlets are talking about um, which is kind of insane like I got a notification on my phone the other day from like NBC News being like defund the police abolish the police what do they mean? Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was wow. very, like, it was, I mean, this is like a national, like a very, like, like very, you know, like kind of liberal, not liberal, <laughs> I mean, not like Fox News, but sort of, sort of very like standard national news outlet. And the fact that this is now a conversation that's being hap happening in a very like public discourse and like a very like basic mass news way is I think really important and really significant because that, I mean, I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> um, no, I don't remember like, I don't remember like the news ever telling me about abolishing the police. Like that's never, um, yeah. so the fact that this is now like something that, like a lot of people are now learning about, I think is like just great. Whether they're learning about it in the right way, um, is up for debate. Like, if you're just look, getting it from NBC News, you're probably not getting a very nuanced version. But you now know that, like, abolish the police is a thing that people want. Um, whereas I think before it was, like, that was never... Uh, I, think you could, I think most... A lot of people, like, did not know that that was even a possible demand. Um, or, if it, or if it was, it was just, like, really fringe people who, like, don't want any state. Um, but now it's, like, being kind of taken kind of seriously. You can... Um, yeah. The fact that, like... Oh, sorry. I think it's kind of interesting to see, like, liberals trying to somehow co-opt, like, abolition to be liberal <laughs> in real yeah. time. But obviously that's quite difficult because abolition in itself is not liberal, obviously. <laughs> but they're really trying no, hard. They're, I mean, there's, I've, there's, in recent days there's been a big, like, people are talking a lot, talking a lot more about defunding the police, which, again, is not... It's not the end goal that we want, but, like, defunding the police would never... No, like, this is so far away from what would have ever happened, like, two months ago, three months ago, I think, in terms of, like... But now it's, like, actually happening. So I don't, I don't want to... Even though I, like, don't think defunding the police is the answer, I also don't want to downplay the fact that this is kind of, like, major for America. Um, and just the fact that, like, now... It, like, is a violent... Like, People are having, like, the sort of, like, are you left or not gateposts, like, sort of debate is now, like, do you, like, what, what do you, how do you feel about violent protests and, like, rioting and looting? Um, and it's sort of now forcing people who have, like, a more, who are generally more left to, like, come down on the side of people who are rioting, people who are looting, and defend that, which is kind of great and weird, but, like, great, too, like, um... I was watching, like, I mean, like, my parents watched, like, the John Oliver show. Oh, yeah. Like, late night, late last night tonight. And, yeah. like, John Oliver yeah. was, like, writing is good. And it was, oh, like, wow, and really? I was, I, yeah, I mean, he kind of, 
can I mean I feel I feel like that show is probably like the left the leftist that like a TV show is TV news show is gonna get on like American yeah waves um, wave I don't know how TV works uh, so it's not necessarily I mean but like the fact that like my parents are like could theoretically have watched that show watched like a news show that they respect tell them to like support rioters or to the very least to not be like or to one the kind of like no no one is no one is being like oh it's just some bad apples anymore yeah except for my mom um love her but (laughs) (laughs) love you mom um but that like those this this sort of just the kind of like the nature of the debate from 2014 has changed a lot where like people are kind of being forced lefter even if they don't really want to be yeah. Um, but just just how it's happening is like you can't, like you, you can't like police reform, and getting body cams is no longer like a viable solution. If you say that, that you are no longer on the left side, if that makes sense. Uh, whereas I you think... you could have like you you could have had that position in twenty fourteen and still been very much on like the left side. Yeah, I think, I think that's what has. Um so confused me about everything that's uh, happened that the situation you're describing where even a complete simp like john oliver <laughs> is like in somewhat supporting uh you know rioters or or serious protesters it just seems very different like it seems like something in liberalism kind of cracked mm-hmm. this last few years mm. and now it's kind of uh reconfiguring and you know and that that's an extremely overdetermined situation. Like there's some really good instincts in there. There's some really bad instincts in there. Like companies from Palantir might be looking to kind of uh, reconfigure social relations into a different Mm -hmm. kind of policing through this. But also I do think there's a lot of liberals even in my my own life um, who, who are sending emails around saying they're concerned about this, like they want to help you know, often they're reaching for trusted words like diversity, like we just need more <laughs> diversity in X, more diversity in Y. But, you know, but they are actually, they're not just condemning what's going on and mm-hmm. they're also acknowledging it, which to me, it seems really strange to have lots of people actually engaging with political life, like the decisions about how uh, life is organised, because they might all bang on about Brexit or they might all bang on about Trump. But these are just kind of spectacle nonsense events, mm-hmm. right? But now they're actually talking about uh, uh, un- unfolding protests and they're not taking the line they're supposed to take, which is a kind of finger-wagging scold being like, oh, no, these, you know, these people, like, uh, the the masses are revolting, you know. This is this is like the dominant affect in the papers. And yet most people I've, I've talked to or, uh, you know, the kinds of stuff you've seen, I've seen online, it seems to be that's not happening. And obviously a lot of that might be kind of brands have decided to try and follow like, you know, where the cool is. And so that like even like PG Tips, yeah. which still owns plantations, is like, we're a comrade now. Um, which, you know, is it's kind of uh funny and also kind of Grotesque. sad. But it does it does but it is part of this kind of overall shift, I think. Um which I find kind of fascinating. And I guess maybe to kind of conclude, what I'm wondering about is what what is the kind of political expectation we can have from this? Because we're a, obviously a communist quarantine cast. Mm-hmm. We think all of our uh, ills are political ills. And, you know, we need kind of collective ownership of the means of production. We need a classless society. Probably most of the issues we have aren't really going to be dealt with until we, mm-hmm. until we get those things. So what are kind of, what seem to be the political ramifications on the ground of this so far? And also what are the kind of the big players who might be looking to kind of shape the demands and the narrative uh, going forwards from a US perspective? Oh, well, I guess I'm very excited by Chaz, by the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Um, And I hope that more of that kind of, more of that stuff starts happening nationally because i mean new york was also like in the middle um i don't know if we're still in it uh but like new york the month of may was like the largest rent strike since like 1907 in new york city so 
Oh, wow, really? Yeah, so I do think there is this, like, everyone is, like, the conversation has been being forced left for, like, a couple months now, um, for a while now. So I would, I really hope that people put, like, the carceral state and systematic racism um, and relate that to capitalism uh, and hopefully we'll start to, we can start because I mean George Floyd was murdered I think and he'd lost his job because of the coronavirus pandemic um, yeah so right I, he was he was buying something literally after he yeah. just lost his job right yeah. yeah so I hope that like people will like in the kind of and this will this is a hot like this can't come from me I'm like this um but hopefully from, like within the Black Lives Matter movement an extension beyond simply just police brutality which is incredibly important something we should be tackling but also to extend it into economic spheres because like that is the number of people of color who were murdered by the coronavirus pandemic by just like government neglect and state neglect and then private healthcare neglect and all that stuff um, or, like, those should also be lives that matter, too. Uh, and I, I, I hope that the kind of... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, like, like, I'm sure... This is not saying, like, activists on the ground are, like, unaware of this, but just a, I hope that, like, the national conversation around Black Lives Matter starts to put those pieces together as well. And I'm, I hope that would be, like... That'd be great if we could. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. But I think, I mean, okay, great. Yeah. Sorry, what were you about to say? No, just, I'm like, just kind of, I'm, I'm tentatively hopeful to see where things are going. Um, but I do think this well, has actually yeah. been, I think we're going to, even if it doesn't go that much further, I think we're going to look back on now and be like, what the, f-? <laughs> just to, and just sort of be in awe about like how drastically the, how like, how far we like, pushed kind of sent like centrist america to like start you know like defunding like dissolving the minneapolis police department um they're gonna they're starting to they're gonna defund the new york city police department like that stuff that would never have happened before uh i think that like those are accomplishments that we should like acknowledge to be super great and super important yeah <laughs> so like no matter like no matter what happens like i think this is really like, especially like in the context of the, of the pandemic like really a moment where a lot of people to a lot of people it's because, even like people who are kind of committed to liberalism it's becoming increasingly obvious that everything about the current like social order is mm-hmm. not working at all um yeah, so we'll see what happens, but I guess mm. by no means can any of us hope to have the final <laughs> word or even a word. <laughs> yeah, we're very much live casting from a kind of ongoing mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. But I mean, I think we kind of all can all see that there is a, a, a big shift of something is going on here. So we'll have to touch base again soon mm-hmm. in two weeks yeah. when... The Chaz has expanded to all of the, all uh, the northern Pacific states. We might get there's Cascadia. a civil war version two is happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the Cascadia autonomous autonomous zone. Um, yeah, that's the dream. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so thank you for joining us. Talk thank to you, you again so soon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You have the emergence in human society of this thing that's called the state. The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state is here. Well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. Yeah.
jail at the precinct, you know how we think. Organize the hood under our ching banners. Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas. FBI spying on us through the radio antennas. And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society. With no respect for the people's right to privacy. I take a slug for the cause like Huey P. While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P. I want to be free to live, able to have what I need to live. Bring the power back to the street where the people live. We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons. Dying over money and relying on religion for help. We do for self like ants in a colony. Organize the wealth into a socialist economy. A way of life based off the common needs. And all my comrades is ready. We just spreading the seed. You have to blackmail. Live a third of his life in a jail cell. Cause the world is controlled by the white male. And the people don't never get justice. And the women don't never get respected. And the problems don't never get solved. And the jobs don't never pay enough. So the rent always be late. Can you relate? No more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closets. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in they back than fire back. We're tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks, denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map. That's why I write the shit I write in my raps. It's documented, I meant it. Every day of the week, I live in it, breathing it. It's more than just fucking believing it. I'm holding in ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit. It's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion. Niggas ain't ready for revolution. Yeah, I blackmail, live a third of his life in a jail cell. Cause the world is controlled by the white male. And the people don't never get justice. And the women don't never get respected. 